FSD fam, the time is now. Festival goers unite. Welcome to the FSD Files, where we highlight the inspiring creatives who all collectively bring the festival experience to life. Whether you are a festival attendee, a festival organizer, someone that's a vendor at an event, or you're the headliner DJ, we all <laughs> play an important piece in this puzzle. And uh, my name is Desmond Beristain, CEO of Festi, the Festival Smart Band. Today, we have a special guest. Uh, you know, just a, a little bit, I'm gonna open up here. I uh, have gone down this entrepreneur journey, right? It all started, Festi started with Festival Gores seeing a problem and wanting to address the problem, right? And that has sent us down this entrepreneurial route, which teaches you so much about life and helps you grow. Well, this person, one of the things when you're growing and, and, and on this journey is you reach out to mentors, people that have you know, already walked that path and are consistently learning and, and maybe even you know, have experienced things so that they can pass that tutelage down to you. This guy right here definitely <laughs> has experienced all of that. So his, his quote, his famous quote is, time is our most precious commodity. We have here, oh, this is a long list, but it's, it's great. So this guy, at, at the age of 19, he created a coffee formulation drink. Boom, got that acquired. Um, by He acquired legendary Inkwell Coffee House. He's designed and formulated. He's worked with beauty, beauty products. He has e-commerce for different salons, um, named one of the top fastest growing internet companies six years in a row. He's worked with Amazon with, uh, you know, if you, if you get that 100% or 90%, 98% feedback, that's always great, especially if you're doing that over decades. He has patented platforms. It's, it's, it's interesting, you know, he's also launched uh, a music festival industry or music industry family group that became Macy's iHeartRadio Top 25 Rising Stars within one year. I mean, it, it, the, the list goes on and on. He's created a mesh network of software to keep people connected. Hey, that, that sounds a little bit like Festy. And he's just built relationships. And, you know, even before going on with this list, remember, it's all about relationships. And that's why we had to bring him onto the festival podcast, because we want to talk relationships. So, yeah, he, he's maintained, you know, various seats on, on boards for multiple companies, whether it's tech, uh, IoT. Oh man, this is this is awesome. I, I gotta just, you know, I'm gonna have to just attach this resume, this uh, portfolio to uh, <laughs> to the description here. But ladies and gentlemen, Brian J. Esposito. Brian, <laughs> what's up, man? Welcome on to the best podcast, Esposito Intellectual Enterprises. Hey, how are you today? It's a pleasure to be on the show. Thanks, man. I got to get a drink of a uh, sip of water because uh, that <laughs> just kept going and going and going. Well, I got to thank you for, for, for nailing my last name. Usually sometimes it gets butchered, so I appreciate you giving it the, the correct pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I, uh, I'm fluent in Spanish, so I was like, you know what? I'm giving it the Spanish flair, so I'm glad that, that worked out. Um, so yeah, Brian, let's get into it. Let's talk about you know, your involvement with uh, the music space, the music festival space and and let's start there because right now you know and the reason why we kicked off this podcast is to shed positive light uh, obviously during during this pandemic um and and just instill comfort for festival goers and you know music lovers worldwide so talk about your background in the music industry and and why you're kind of you know still still drawn and connected to uh to the community 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I th it actually started early on when, when we uh, when I was running the Inkwell, which is a late night legendary coffee house on the Jersey Shore. I like to always uh, I, I compared it to Fridays meet Starbucks kind of an atmosphere. But what was really cool about it were you had artists, poets, musicians. They'd come in there and they would play whatever they created, or they would cover something. And it was there was no set band or schedule. They would just get up and start performing. Uh, and the beautiful thing about that place, it's been it's been around well before I was even born, uh, starting in the 60s when, when the first Inkwell opened up in, in West End, New Jersey. And um, you had Bob Dylan wrote lyrics about it. Um, Bruce Springsteen was always in there and performing and writing some of those fam most famous songs in this place. Uh, Danny DeVito had his high school reunion there. So it, it, the place just gravitates to bring in some really exceptional talent. And uh, being uh, young and running that place with my brother, and he now currently is the one that fully, fully runs and operates and owns it. But that got my itch in, in, in the music industry and, and seeing how creative people can be. Uh, from there, uh, I left that restaurant and um, then I started the first B2B, B2C, beauty uh, e-commerce and beauty company. So between great timing, teaching myself the code and having access to some incredible brands, we really just crushed it. And uh, through that, um, era of my life we launched some of the biggest brands by some of the biggest celebrities performers artists musicians and as i was doing that and we were moving a lot of product i always thought wow it'd be amazing to actually own the brand or the entertainer that we're moving product for because it was just a i always compare it to an ant farm we had products come in we'd promote it we'd ship it out and it was a very successful period of my life but it wasn't what I loved. I loved to code. I loved technology. I loved marketing. And then I loved the music industry. So tying those three things together set me off on a path that definitely was not easy, not paved, but silver. It was, I got my ass kicked in every new industry I went into, uh, which I always appreciated it. I wanted to find out how dirty and ugly it can be because that's how I did the beauty industry. That's how I learned the restaurant industry. Uh, teach me everything. Show me every snake in the grass. Show me every awful um, wherever the bodies are buried so I know how to overcome them, how to avoid them. And uh, so I, I wasn't shy to having to figure things out. Uh, you know, when I launched the beauty company, I got attacked by things I never even thought of. There was a, a technology attack called a Joe job where a competitor uh, would attack our ISP and our site was completely down and, and, and I couldn't get turned back on. And I had to go and find people that actually uh, are hired to do that, as oddly as that sounds, to figure out what are the steps to get it to stop and, uh, and get the site turned back on. And uh, just for some reason, everything I, I'm involved with, I, uh, it's, it's, it's not always easy, and, but that's okay. I, I actually love the challenge. I love navigating through it. And, um, and then that led me to, to launch a, a music company. And then we launched an apparel company. And in my mind, I was creating this ecosystem where I wanted to uh, protect the beauty company was the original concept. I, don't want, I didn't want to have everything in, uh, in that one basket. So I wanted to diversify the company and started utilizing the long and, and tremendous reach that we have and start building these other companies to help support it. And then in my mind, I thought, well, if, if one of these companies dips or has a slow period, at least there's other opportunities to help keep things even or uh, ultimately, hopefully, keep things going on a growth trend. And uh, that's, that's what led me uh, onto the path that uh, I'm on today where we, uh, in my holding company, we have, uh, it'll be 61 entities by the end of, of this month, which is today. 
And then we have over 150 joint ventures around the world with some incredible people, partners. And, uh, and what I love to do at this part of my, my career, um, especially when it comes to what you and your team have built, is how can I help uh, whether startups or CEOs of, of, of early stage companies, all the way up to Fortune 100 companies, how can we take what I've built? How can we take our access, our strategies, and create new value? How can we help companies not dilute the founders out of their own companies by coming up with new unique ways to generate revenues or increase profit margins? Or, uh, or like I said before, connect them with, with strategic partners that they may not have a- had access to. And I love that. I think I love that because I never had that. And so I, I, I do love to come in and help and support people that may need a little extra assistance, uh, may be sitting on something amazing, but don't know the right people. And uh, Desmond, you know, in the music industry, as well as many others, it is who you know, and that, that, that does suck, but that's a reality. Uh, so I love to be a conduit to help people uh, make it because uh, I've seen some amazingly talented people that are, are better than some of the top performers in the world, but they don't know the right people. They don't know where to go and therefore nobody gets to hear their, their music. Yeah. hundred percent. That's, that's so true. I feel like, you know, that, that let's talk about that a little bit more. Let's talk about how, you know, I think it, first off, it's great that, and that's, I want to do the same exact thing, right? I want to say, okay, you know, had to put ourselves through a bunch of loops and ups and downs and figuring things out um, by ourselves. And then ultimately it must feel really gratifying to, to get to a point and be like, all right, it's time to give back. You know, I made it through. And if I can make the route a little bit easier while still allowing somebody to learn, um, that's what it's all about. Right. So talk about, cause right now people are at home. People have to be more creative right now is a, a big self-reflective period for us collectively where we can take some time and say, Hey, well, how can I better myself? Or, Hey, you know, that idea I've always had, why not explore that a little bit more? Um, talk about what it, it took in the beginning, right? Let's talk about the, the, the first stages, the, the origins, um, because if you go on your LinkedIn, you have a, a an article that you wrote, and it's called The 7,327th Night of My Overnight Success. So, hey, you're <laughs> set over 7,000 days, and that is definitely more uh you know the realistic way of what it looks like what's overnight success looks like uh, i had some friends say yeah over overnight success is you know 15 years or overnight success is x amount of failures um talk about that and talk about the day one till getting to that seven thousand or that breaking turning point tipping point yeah the funny thing now i got to add uh i think almost exactly another 365 days to that article <laughs> uh but the, day one started uh, as, as crazy as it sounds, I'd, I'd be eight years old helping my, my dad and his, and his beauty company helping fill nail care products. So he developed a brand called Formula 10 and I'd, I'd love to go to work with him. I'd love to sit with um, the people in the warehouse or in the, in the filling side of the plant and, and sit there and actually get my hands dirty and, and work. I've always been a worker uh, and it doesn't matter what it is. I don't have uh, I don't think I do. They have to ask other people, but I don't have a stitch of ego or, 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 or too much pride that makes me obnoxious. I, I'll clean a bathroom just like I'll go and take a, try to help a company raise a million dollars. It doesn't matter if something needs to get done. I'm, I'm there to do it. And uh, so day one outside of that article was really roughly eight years old. But outside of that, it was, it was probably my, when I was 19 and twenties with the, the restaurant and then going into the beauty and the, Uh, that's that's when day one started 
and no idea how difficult it would be. Um, I, I, I guess I, I definitely want, I, I go into everything, unfortunately, thinking puppy dogs and ice cream because I feel people are inherently good. And, uh, and I don't blame anybody for what they may or may do to me or, or what I'm trying to accomplish for them. They, they weren't raised in my household. They didn't go through the set of experiences that I went through and they don't have my ideas of, of values and morals. So with that being said, how somebody acts, I have no control over that. And uh, who knows what they're going through and, and, and especially now desperate times call for desperate measures. Uh, but what I do have control over is how, how they affect my life how they affect what I'm trying to do. So uh, Desmond, you're, you, you know, I hope you don't go through this, but most likely the more you put yourself out there, you will go through this. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you let a snake in the room, that's okay. Uh, but the important thing is how to correctly get them out as quickly as possible. Uh, and you have to, you have to, some, you have to unfortunately be cold and that's not my nature. Uh, but if someone is showing the, that they um, have ulterior motives or they're not there to, to support the overall idea or, or to do good things, they have to go uh, mm-hmm. because um, that's just, uh, this, is, this is my, you know, my ideas. This isn't law. But, you know, if someone's there to you know, potentially hurt you or, or hurt what you've built and they're an adult, male or female, they have to go. I'm not talking about 18 year old kids that are still trying to figure out life. There, there's, there's an age that comes into play where if someone's no good, they're no good. And you, and unless you're a, a priest or a teacher or some sort of guardian, it's not your job to help them be a better person. In your case, you have a company, you're taking investments. Your, your job is to protect that company at all costs. And your job is to protect all of your stakeholders. And uh, that, that means sometimes being a badass and, and, and making sure that nobody breaks in there and, and, and does you or, or your company, employees or investors any harm. Yeah, 100%. That's, and you just mentioned it, you know, it doesn't mean that you're not a nice person or good person. And a lot of times you're like, shoot, you know, it's, it's that whole quote. It's like sometimes you have to, you know, be a lion uh, to actually, you know, be, be the sheep that you are or be the, you know, just be able to, re- to relax and, and do you you know what I mean but it's tough and you go through this the learning curve and the ups and downs and the bumps so uh talk about persistence because anyone at home right now that has that idea about oh I want to create an create an idea or follow through with it in the beginning right you think about all the upside and all the good things and and that's great you know because that sparks the the inspiration that spark and it keeps you motivated um but just you also want to have that that source of sense of awareness because let's say it does get large and it does start to generate and snowball and and get that traction you know not everyone might may have the same motive as you so you know it's not paying a lot of attention to that but that's enough in understanding that hey this is going to happen for example uh, i'll do a basketball reference even the, even the championship teams you know they they lose some games along the way and they learn uh in route to uh to make sure. it to the championship Oh, so true. And, and I, I love the sport analogy. The same thing goes to Babe Ruth. Nobody talks about how many strikeouts or walks he had, but he's known as one of the most powerful hitters of all time. Uh, so, it, it, you know, what's really interesting about uh, human nature, and I had, a, had an amazing call with, 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 I would say, a very well-respected CEO of, of a ton of nursing homes. Uh, he, he's, uh, I think it's a family legacy. It's been around forever. And uh, they, they help people, which you know, those are the type of calls that I love. And, but he reached out to me because he uh, is involved in this whole 
craziness going on with people trying to buy and sell N95 masks and hand sanitizers. It's, it's just crazy. You're better off avoiding it uh, because it's just the wild west. And, and uh, the funny thing was as successful as this person was as seasoned as this person was, and we're talking mid to late fifties is, is soliciting me to help him finance a deal between two large governments to buy and uh, to, to move, move these masks. And I didn't want to be rude. And, and, and I, had to, I had to interrupt him during his pitch. I'm like, I said, I don't understand. Do you honestly think that this government, which is you know, a world leader, and this other government, a world leader, needs you? I'm like, I, I don't understand. Do you, can you step outside of what you're involved in and think about it and, and get the hell out of it? Because you're involved in something that doesn't make any sense. And the point I'm trying to make is, whether times are good or bad, especially now when times are bad, p- people find themselves involved in situations that if they just took a moment, pumped the brakes and thought about it, it makes no sense. I, I, I don't know if you've experienced this, but people that are at good at one industry are all of a sudden trying to make a killer score in something that they have no experience in, no relationships in, and no idea what they're doing, but they're so smart over here that something happens where they don't really realize what's going on. They get involved in something and now they're trying to make a deal. That's not even a real deal. Yeah. It, it's, it's one of the most fascinating things I, 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 I see and it happens so often, but long story long, I felt bad when I hung up the phone with this guy, but he called me two days later and he, and he was thanking me. He's like, you know what? I don't know wh- what I was doing or why I even got sucked into that. I started thinking, you know, 10 million, hundred million dollar deals. And, uh, and, and, and he's, and he thanked me and, and I, that made me feel better, but it's, it's just, it's funny. I'm trying to get, it's funny how the human psyche starts to believe something that's not real, especially yeah. in today's time. And, and then you're spending all this time, energy, you're burning bridges. You, and you find yourself in a situation where you feel you're too deep to try to call out. You want to save face, you made introductions, but a lot of people have to just sometimes turn their phone off, sit in a room. And think about what am I really involved in? Is it real? And is it really worth my time? That's why you know, we, at the beginning of, of this part of the, of, of the podcast is when you said, uh, where should your time be spent? You know, what makes the most sense? And at this point in my career, I've, I've preached for a while. I'll, I'll invest in me. I know what I can return. I don't play the stock market anymore. I don't throw money into anything that I have no control over. I know what I can do. And I know what I can, and I know what I can generate. That's where people need to think about what is their skill. If they want to make a change and, and, and strategize on, on, uh, on the new norm of what's going on, who do they know in their, in their arsenal and where can they add value and where yeah. can A and B equal Z, not where, where can A and B equal minus a different letter The the people's ideas, collaborations and partnerships are so so off balance a partnership is what what can i combine this with with that with so everybody can do better not what can i what can i take from somebody else that's not a partnership that 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 that's a that's a terrible uh, mentality as far as building a business or or building your network you know you need to go into every room and say hey i'm here to add value i'm not here to take anything away from anybody what can we do together to be more more powerful and more successful yeah and a lot of times people you know, they're looking at the short-term goal, right? And, and short-term goals are, are, you know, is that really worth your time? You mentioned, uh, well, the, the word is probably scope creep, 
where, you know, for example, and I'll even use uh, Festi, for example, our company. So we started with this device and we knew that we're solving an issue. Um, and this is made, you know, grassroots, organic, for festival goers, by festival goers. So we're putting, you know, we're pushing, we got a team together. Great, we're pulling in parts. And um, then we start, set, someone says, oh, what if it can do this too? Oh, what if it can also yeah. do this feature? feature? Feature creeping. Yeah, then yeah, all of a sudden yeah. you never release a product. And, yeah, then exactly, and then by the time, like, you know, and, and that's the whole thing that we've had to learn and, and come to terms with and say, hey, you know what? We learned we're still going to be better off for it, for it but it might, have take, it might take you on a little detour. And then you realize, man, just sticking to the simple product, it, it, it would get you out into the market, get that traction going, and then you can add that stuff down the line. So anyone at home, if you're, you know, have that idea and, and you're, you're trying to go down this path, literally, like, it, it really is important to keep it simple in the beginning. And then, uh, as Brian mentioned, you know, what are you good at? It has to stem from passion because there will be so many nights where you're literally running off the fumes of passion. That's what I call them. It's, that's the only thing keeping you going. <laughs> so if you don't have that, yeah, yeah. If you don't have that, it's like, no, because then it becomes this forceful, this forceful act. And um, I was telling, I was saying off air uh, that when Festi started, uh, I was a professional athlete prior. So we needed to raise early, early funds before we could even go pitch to investors or felt, I guess you could even say confident at the time, just rounding up in very early stages. And Festi prompted me to, to start my own training uh, and, and to bring in extra funds to fund Festi. And then all of a sudden, this company starts off, but it's not this company that I know nothing about. Um, you know, it's being able to combine, oh, wait, I, you know, diving into the festival space, learning about that, but then you utilizing uh, the skills I have prior to build something else and then have them both work out together. And even last week during the quarantine, uh, we released uh, a stay at home workout and it's called Festy Fitness. So it's like <laughs> combining the two, you know what I mean? Well, it's brilliant. It, it, it's what real survivors figure out we we have a, a large hemp and cbd segment of, of our of our business and everybody was freaking out about that, that whole industry is on hold right now uh so what we did is we converted everything we could over to creating uh, hand sanitizers a lot of the same ingredients in production is very similar to cbd isolate extraction mm -hmm. uh, so we we actually grew those segments but you got to be fast you got to know the right people uh, I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't have the relationships in, in the beauty industry to be able to get components such as bottles, caps, and pumps, because right now that's the hardest thing to find. True. But when you start connecting all of these uh, relationships and businesses, uh, you can you can navigate through anything. Uh, but you know, the problem is, what are people's needs? Uh, that's that's what justifies the, the the worth of time and return for me. I I I feel like I know what's important. I don't need anything. All I want to do is be treated kindly and I want to treat people kindly. Mm -hmm. But if someone wants to drive around in a Ferrari every, every year and a new one, then their needs are going to be radical. Therefore they're going to have to go and produce crazy things. And if they want to maintain that lifestyle, that's when I see people start to fall off the path and start to, you know, go against what maybe an, a, a good integrity person may do and, and, and make sure that they continue to live a lifestyle they want to live. I'm not knocking it. But what people want out of life, whether it's health or nice things or, or family, it's, it's different for everybody. But if you want crazy amounts of things and you think that's important, then you sure as shit better make a lot of money.
mm-hmm. and then you, you got to make sure it keeps coming in. Uh, one of the things I do love about what's going on is there needed to be a reset in the world. There needed to be a reset, and what these influencers were paid for really not having a tremendous amount of talent, but they know how to get attention. And to me, that's 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 a great talent. If they can get eyeballs on their pages, that's amazing. But that led to them being paid a crazy amount of money, which the domino effect of that is startup companies that want to promote their brands that know they have to use influencers can't afford it. So there had to be, there had to be a reset there. There had to be a reset in the housing market. There had to be a reset in everything because there's no way that people's income could justify buying anything at some point. And, and, and that's when people start to not live a, a healthy lifestyle. That's when people start to really, just be on a hamster wheel, which in, in my companies, I've been there. I get it. Uh, but I'm glad that there is this reset going on. I do not want anybody to go through this, this crazy times and be hurt and be scared. But I do believe that coming out of it, things will be much more realistic. And hopefully people will have a better understanding as to what's important and, and where their time should be spent during the day. Yeah, you mentioned um, realistic. So talk, talk about that. Like talk about right now what you think the current state of everything and, and yeah, we're at home. Hopefully everyone should be ref- doing that self-reflection, right? And deciding, you know, maybe what, what they want to do, how they want to occupy their time when we are able to get back out there, right? And, and as it pertains to the music festival space and music industry, that's the whole thing I've been trying to mention is, all right, festival goers, people who covet, you know, we all covet, I'm one of them, um, and, and treat the festival space as if it were our sanctuary, right? Well, if, it, if that's the case, then can we all, you know, take, look within and say, you know what, next time I go back to a festival, I'm going to be super appreciative of, of everything from the artist to the installation to the people I walk across or walk around and, and also the path, the trail I leave behind me, be cognizant of, am I leaving trash behind my, like, like that is something you can totally, you know, that's super easy to do, throw your trash away so that people aren't dancing on trash. Um, you know, if someone's wearing a cool outfit, comp- you can compliment them. If you see somebody on the side, just like who, who just maybe looks like they, you know, could just have someone talk, just reach out and, and say something, you know, introduce yourself or whatnot. Just how can we collectively all elevate during these times? Um, and sure. why do you see some positivity that, that could stem from this? Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% on that. And I hope that's the outcome. I, I do hope that people start to slowly get back to what their new norm is and be a little more appreciative about what they have opposed to the desire and the need for what they don't have. Uh, you know, a lot of us are very, very privileged and very lucky to have what we have. And when you focus on the good stuff, you can find self-worth and, and feel proud. And then that's when you build upon it. Uh, but if you're sitting there thinking about what you don't have, and um, and I mentioned this in that article and a couple of other interviews, uh, that social media influencer world has has shifted people to just be brainwashed about feeling terrible because they don't live in a certain house, they don't drive a certain car, and they don't have a certain pocketbook or a pair of shoes. That's that's empty. That's not where your focus should be. You know, where did you? What I, I love I love breadcrumbing where a person's gone and, and, and how far they've come. It's all relative. If people start to see what they've accomplished over a month, over two months, over three months, look at those accomplishments, feel good about those, and then build upon it. You look back a year or two later and, and you, you, you've done amazing things. But if you, if you look at it the wrong way or with the wrong magnifying glass, 
anybody can feel terrible about their lives. Even the most successful people in the world can find something that they don't have or they're not doing. And, and, and if they focus on it, they'll feel like crap. It goes for anybody. And, and hopefully what's going on now, the shift will be, you know, it, it, people are forced to focus on what they have because there's no way of getting other things. There's no way of going to events like festivals. There's no way of being involved in, you know, conference calls or meetings or being around people that are flamboyant about their stuff. People are, are, are trapped home, hopefully with loved ones or families, and they're, and, and they're focusing on the good and, and being thankful that they're not sick in the hospital or being thankful that they're not lying somewhere waiting to be buried because that's a reality right now. For sure. um, but, you know, as it, as it relates to what you've built, you, you, hit, you hit on what, something I've been working on for, for 20 years is building these parallel communication networks to allow people to connect and communicate regardless of any Wi-Fi or Internet. Uh, this is something that hit home to me since 2001 when those towers went down. If, if Nextel wasn't out at uh, ground zero, there would have been no communication whatsoever for any of those first responders or, or anybody that was in, in, in that area. Uh, and if you look at today, minus your ideas and what you've built because you and I are on the same page, those hub and spoke networks is still what's deployed. That's still where money is being spent, throwing up a cell tower, throwing up Wi-Fi stations. But if there's no power and there's no internet, then your cell phone cannot connect to a network. Therefore, all you can do is hopefully play some downloaded save files that you have on it. But when you start building networks like, like we've built with Nodal and what you're building with Festi, and what we're doing with Sonocoin, the ability to, to transfer data and connect and locate and find people regardless of any type of traditional networks, that's when you start to really make a big difference. And that's where you start to see a market that is real because the current numbers are only a market that shows who's connected to a cell tower or who's connected to a Wi-Fi station. There's still 50, 60% of the world that are walking around with a smartphone, most like an Android device, but they're not connected to any network. Therefore, they're not being categorized they're not being counted they're not being looked at as a market but when you have networks such as a, a low power bluetooth mesh network that's connecting devices all over the world uh, now we can show what is the real market look like and what do people what can we provide and push and help those people in countries where they they don't have access to the networks that we have access to Correct. Correct. It's so true. And, and, you know, that's one of the things that prompted us now, you know, we're not going to put ourselves out there and say, and say blatantly, Oh, we, we believe that, you know, this can make, make things safer, but we could say that our device, you know, provides that peace of mind because, you know, we, we all know. That the, and another thing is during these times uh, we've had people on the podcast and we're discussing, you know, we, we go real deep. And I, I quickly began to see that this was evolving towards something larger than what initially, you know, we thought just throw it on and have a good time and spread some positivity. But one of the ways to do that is reflect on, all right, how can we all be better? What issues uh, can we, it, it's almost like speaking out. So I've had someone talk about, come up here and talk about sexual harassment at, at events, right? At crowded events and what to do. Um, had someone come on here and, and talk about um, people that overdose at, at, at events. These are things that go under the rug. We all know it happens. And you know what? Like, if you can find somebody, if it only takes you five, 10 minutes to find them instead of two, two three hours because of this whole, you know, cell phone uh, issue where the, the towers are congested and they're not responding, even if there is service, right? 
I mean, that can go so far, right? And even if it saves one person, it, it's, it's worth exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. And you mentioned it, like, uh, we're just, you know, our device is not just the U.S. It's, it's just global. And, and we are in a globally connected world. And we all need to start understanding that. And, and that all brings it back down to now where it's like taking away from things. You know, it'd be interested if, if uh, you know, right now, ad addition by subtraction in regards to uh, us not being able to do so many things. Well, we got to start looking inwards. Because another quote that I, I use is inwards is infinite. And, you know, that's where the self-exploration really is. And then we can get back out there and then provide a, a better, you know, festival spirit. You know, like the, the season might be postponed, but the spirit should be there. And we should all still be looking on ways towards, you know, um, elevating. And if you're feeling good one day, hey, how hard is it to reach out to somebody else and send some positivity their way, right? So Absolutely. it's activity on, on multiple levels. Yeah, and it's important to do it without any strings attached. You, know, you don't say, hey, how are you? I hope you're doing well. Oh, can you do this for me? It has to just be a genuine, hey, I'm just thinking about you. I hope you're doing well. You look great today. You know, it's got, it's got to be genuine and not attached to some sort of ulterior motive. Exactly, exactly. So let's talk about, you know, you, you've been involved with so many ventures. You're still involved with so many ventures. How do, it, I think it's really refreshing and it's great, man, that, you know, you're able to maintain, you know, I, I'm sure you had to battle with the ego, right? It wasn't like this from day one. You went through different paths and had to understand, whoa, you know, is there a part where you might be like, wow, my, I am the one that's standing in front of myself and I have to find a way through that. Uh, and that's the way to get to, to the field. The, the analogy that I, I use a lot is um, imagine going to a beautiful park and you see all this, you know, beautiful terrain, but there's a fence in front of you. So instead you're focusing on the fence. The fence is robbing me from all that stuff, you know, but you yeah. realize there's a way around the fence. There's a way through the fence. There's more, more after the fence. Yeah. What's funny is uh, in, in your analogy, which is awesome. The fence were, were other people. So my ego and the way that I'm wired is I want people to feel good. And that was my biggest detriment is trying to figure out how to make people feel good. And, but it's still at the end of the day, it's my ass on the line with all of these companies or ventures. It's my you know, name borrowing money. It's, I'm the one, if it goes down, I go down and someone else can just go get a, another job or figure it out. Um, but my biggest obstacle was bringing people in that I shouldn't have because I wanted them to feel good. Uh, and that's something that I still battle with today. I want people to feel valued. I want to, I want to help people succeed. And that's something I had to stop and, and rewire my brain and, and, and look at it differently. I need to be the one. I used to be the one that ate last and that hurt me. Uh, and, and because if I ate first, I'd make sure everybody else was even more protected. Mm -hmm. And if there was a downturn or, or some crisis, if I'm eating last and there's nothing to eat, I have nothing to go to, to, to replenish or to, to leverage. Mm -hmm. um, but if I was the one that was making sure that I was properly compensated first for my own, for, and it's funny thing is for my work, you know, I was, I was supporting other people for a long time that, uh, cause I wanted them to feel good about themselves. And that, that, that was, that was hard for me to figure that out. Uh, and I'm not saying either one is right or wrong, but in, in my world, I have to make sure that my strength is my health. My strength is, you know, I'm, I'm making sure that everything is, under my, you know, I don't want to use the word control, but 
in today's world, you have to move fast. So I, I got to make sure that I'm the one that has final say or first say or whatever say you want to, to come up with to do something. And that means, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to do it now because we need to survive. Mm -hmm. I can't go and, and, and run it by people that have no right to even being there, but it was my fault for bringing them in. Now I have to run it by them. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, a, it, it's a crazy, it was, it was like a juggling act that didn't need to even exist. And I created that. So uh, now it's, it's, you know, what I love about the, the structure I have companies that are mine, they're, they're my say, and, and, and this is what we're doing and, and support it. Companies that aren't mine, what I love about that part of my, my life is I know what I needed. So I'm there to help those CEOs. I'm there to support them. I'm here to combine what I have and, and offer it to them and, and, and give them more assets, more opportunities to leverage. And I'm there to protect them that if they have to go through any capital raises, A, what can we do together to maybe make money where you don't have to go to the market and raise money? Because mm -hmm. if you're out in the market or doing a roadshow and trying to raise money, you're not focusing on your business. Yeah. So whatever you were working on or creating is disappearing every day because now you're trying to raise money. And what's going to happen is you're going to run out of money because you got to play catch up and then you're going to have to go back to the market again. So what can we do to make sure that we can have cash flows coming in? Yeah. Uh, so and secondly, if you have to raise money, I make sure it's the last money you ever have to raise and we're going to figure it out um, from that part on. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that whole fight or flight mode, right? I mean, <laughs> we've experienced it in our early state, early, early stages, and we're still going through it. But it was every day is fight or flight. Um, the, the task list is, is immense. And, and you finish it. And then the next day, there's more tasks. And then you get caught in this whole uh, marketing, R&D, raising capital, right? So many things, and you're wearing so many hats. So it's, it's such a a, a fast track in regards to learning and skill development, which is a pro, but there has to be some form of work-life balance to that, right? So, so talk about that because I'm sure you, you, you mentioned it, you've dealt with so many startups and uh, I mean, we're constantly going through it and evaluating it. Sometimes we'll push ourselves to a burnout and then have to recover, which may, and then, and then look at it, you know, um, look in retrospect and say, man, that work-life balance could, could actually give us better productivity um, as opposed to that. So it's, it's almost like we're, we're gauging that, but talk about how uh, your experience with work-life balance and your whole take on that. Cause you mentioned, you said, you know, it's very important. Your health is very important. So um, I think that gets overlooked because so many times, and I'm not sure if this is because of social media or whatnot, but we're glorifying people that go three days without sleep, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not the way to do things. And I am not your spokesperson on that. Um, and my mom always said your health is your wealth and, and so does P Diddy, but I think my mom said it first, but, uh, yeah, I'm not the, I'm not, I don't have a time zone and because of the, of my nature, I work on everybody else's time zones and we operate throughout 17 different cities around the world. So we are a 24 seven, seven days a week, uh, operation. Uh, there's, but I can't be like Ebenezer Scrooge. I, I understand that people need to spend time with their families and they need to, they need to be able to balance that. Um, but you have to work. It's just, it's just a reality. And I've, I've always been of the mindset of if I'm not doing it, somebody else is, therefore I'm not going to obtain the opportunity. So I'm always accessible. Um, and I'll always respond back to anybody. I'll call anybody back and I'll email or, or text every, anybody. I don't care who you are. If you, 
you live in the street and you found a way to contact me or if you're running a big company, I, I treat everybody with respect and, and I'm always accessible. So to answer your question, I do not have the appropriate work uh, life balance. Uh, I just think it's the way I'm, I'm wired, but it, I'm not complaining. It, it works for me. My, my brain is, is wired to, to produce and, um, and perform. That's just how I'm wired. And that's how I feel self-worth. It's not, it's not for money. It's the byproduct. Money's a byproduct. Um, I love to create opportunities. I love to make sure that uh, we, we put things in place to see them flourish. What I did learn about myself is free time is my worst enemy. Because if I sit down and don't have my mind occupied on something, I'll find another need that needs to be filled, just like you did when you created Festi. Find the need, fill need will never go out of style. And, uh, and I'll come up with another idea, concept, company, or partnership, uh, which then gets thrown onto the plate. Again, that's just how I'm wired and, and it works for me. Um, but a lot of people will make themselves sick or nuts trying to, to live in, in my world. And, um, but, you know, it's just to each their own. But not complaining, but I, I, I can't preach proper life work balance because I, I don't have it. Yeah, no, I hear you. I, um, so my whole thing is, but it seems like you had a level of acceptance where you knew what, you, what you're capable of and you're like, you know what, this is what I'm capable of and this is probably the road that it entails and I'm not going to, like you made the decision, you committed to it. You're not going to be like the next day like, well, how do I feel about that? You know, you're, no, you're like, this is what I do. I'm in. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all, once I say yes, I'm in 100%. And, and people have a hard time understanding how I can always give 100% to a million different things. Well, it's easy. It, it, whatever needs to get done, you get it done on and off the plate. There, there's your hundred percent. At the time I'm dedicated hundred percent to one thing until it's, till it, whatever it needs to be gets accomplished uh-huh. and then on to the next thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I do know just like the example with the, um, the, the nursing home CEO and, and, and medical supplies, I do know what not to get involved in. And I, and I do know that I always speak my mind, but, and you may have experienced this too, Desmond, you've done some great things at a young age. You know, one of the biggest obstacles for me was always being the youngest guy in the room. And, yeah. and because of that, even though I may have been smarter, I may have known the right things to do. I could have, I could have pounded my hand on the table, but nobody would listen. I just learned that, you know, people have to know their place. And that's not to sound obnoxious or rude. Uh, a lot of people are connectors. I'm a connector. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because I'm a connector, I know to keep my mouth shut after I connect A and B. And I sit back and I watch it become something amazing. A lot of connectors, because they have ego or they want to sound important, will, it will interfere the great work that they did. And their work was their connection. That's it. Know your place. I know this guy. I know this girl. I put them together shut up after that just shut up your your opinions your ideas you're just causing noise and you're only doing it because you want to sound important your job was the most important job in the world you put peanut butter and jelly together Mm -hmm. sit back and enjoy it don't try to add any anything else to it it's already perfect just enjoy it and then be make sure you're protected and be part of the upside and uh, a lot of people need to just understand that. And, and, and that's something I've always been good at. I know, I know how to connect people and I know, and I know my place uh, and, and I sit back and I just, and I let it, I let it ride. That's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I, I've been able to script 
whatever it is into a language that I understand, right? And it allows you to draw those those uh, analogies and synchronicities and, and see, okay, this is this parallels with this. So when I when I say that, I mean when I went from basketball professional athlete to tech hardware, uh, we may, I created this analogy. I'm like, well, hardwood to hardware, and that kind of stuck <laughs> with me. So then people know, oh, hardwood to hardware, right? Let me. I love basketball. Let me transform basketball into the tech and hardware field. So I'm still playing basketball. It just looks different, right? So That's awesome. Yeah, you're practicing for the games. You're learning. Oh, I need to learn the plays. Well, I need to learn how this hardware works. What's necessary? Okay, go out there and test it. Okay, and then, and then getting out there in the business world. But being able to draw that parallel and understand, okay, this is the parallel. I'm not going to try to say now I need to learn uh, figure this part out. No, I have to be able to assess it and understand it and stay in my lane and see, see that that's all that needs to be done. Because as you mentioned, sometimes if you just let your ego and oh, I need to tinker here and do this and do this. No, my whole thing with basketball is like, uh, if I'm recruiting uh, a player or a teammate, right? So for the tech company, I'm like, am I, am I recruiting somebody that's all about um, R and D and he's an engineer I'm not going to be like, all right, Mr. Engineer, I need you to be the best. You know, I need you to get your hands dirty in this marketing campaign. If his personality or her personality is not like that, right? That's like getting a three-point shooter onto your team and then telling them, all right, I want you to dunk on everyone. It's like, sure. uh, knowing, there's something about KYP, knowing your personnel. And maybe talk about that because that, I believe, is one of your strengths, right? Because if you're able to connect people, um, then you must know, okay, I can identify his strength. I can identify her strength. Boom. That's a match. Absolutely. And that, that only comes through experience and then feeling confident in dictating what those orders look like early on. I want, like I said, I wanted everybody to feel important. Um, I, I'm not, I, I don't like titles. I don't like business cards. I just, I felt like I want everybody to feel self-worth because that's what I would want to feel. But you're right. What you're saying, it has to be, it has to be, you wouldn't put, um, I don't know, Muggsy Bogues as a center, would you? It, he's five foot three, but and you, you have to know where to put people in order to succeed. And that's, that's how you make people feel worth. Um, and I, and again, I'm learning all of that as I continue to evolve and as I try to continue to be a better person every day. And, and some things only come from experience. You're able to do what you're doing, no doubt, because of your training and your work ethic to be a basketball player. I did the same thing to be a baseball player. I worked every day, 365, busted my ass. Mm -hmm. I miss it every day. And you probably miss your, your talent and your sport every day. It's not about the money. When you find something you love, and I loved baseball, I bled baseball, and the minute I stopped doing it was the biggest mistake in my life. Well, I don't think I'd ever be a major league ball player but I sure as hell could have been a, a, some sort of single, double, triple A player, but doing something I love. And uh, that's one of the most important things that people need to understand your life, your time. It is finite. It, it's going to end. There's no out and there's no way of figuring it out. Look at, look at Steve jobs. Look at some of the most wealthy people in the world. If they haven't figured it out, you're going to disappear one day. So make sure you're finding a way to do something you love every day while you're making sure that you have a livelihood and you're able to, to sustain paying your bills. So, For sure. We have, this it, quote, we have this quote, it's called, uh, and I'm sure you can relate to it, you know, and, and not in a negative way, but in just a, <laughs> there's a be certain beauty about it. It's called, you know, athletes die twice, 
right? And it's like, you have that, oh, you know, your, your career, you know it, you know, and, and, and I'm definitely super grateful that I'm still connected to the game, but you do have to go through that period. Shoot, I'm not playing at this very, very, very high level, but I can appreciate that journey and then, you know, still be connected to the game, still be connected to it and, and still, you know, not, not change it for the world, right? Exactly, yeah. And the good thing about it, you're able to do it with a smile on your face and understand you're still, you're still participating in the same concepts, but now in the business world. And that's where you're finding that balance and, and you're continuing your passions to succeed and to win. You, know, you, you, you play professional sports to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what you're doing with Festi. So I'm proud of you and, and, and would love to help you any way I can to continue to grow that, that great company. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I mean, honestly, just sharing this wisdom is already, uh, you know, definitely already making its wave uh, of inspiration. And, you know, because that, that's, that's what it is, right? It's a lot of pounding the pavement. It's a lot of figuring out, getting, making, making your way through things and creating ways around it. If you can't go straight around it, then, you know, find a way around here. If, if this door is closed, then all right, let's try the window, you know, and, and doing that. But understanding that in, in doing so, it is uh, when you're bringing pieces and people that, that have the same kind of vision, value, integrity, uh, and are making those ethical decisions, it, you know, it allows that to, to happen in a, in a beautiful way where everyone can, can, can really enjoy not just the destination, but the process in getting to the destination. Sure. Yeah, if I can add to that door closed analogy, because a lot of times people can probably relate. I know I can. It might be closed for a reason. And, and the people that say try a window or try the chimney or whatever, they or go through the garage, they're the ones that succeed. But the one, there's a lot more people that tried other, other, other ways to get into to a situation that, that haven't succeeded. And that's when it comes into how valuable is your time and how, how important is that opportunity? Or can you create your own? Or is there another one that would give you that domino to allow you to succeed, to allow you to feel some power and some self-worth that then you can go back to that door, but it's open this time. You know, maybe the door being closed is, is a reason that you need to go out and perfect whatever you are trying to accomplish, uh, sharpen your skills, build up your, your network and your Rolodex, start getting some great history behind you and some accomplishments and you go back and that door is wide open. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the, uh, I just uh, didn't mean to interrupt your analogy because it's, you know, it's used forever, but you know, sometimes a door being closed is a good thing and, and, and continue your path in a different direction. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, it's, yeah, I'll, I'll just add to the analogy. Oh, the door's closed. Well, let's go for a stroll over here. Let's check out. There's a cool park here. We don't need to be indoors right now. We can be outdoors. And then exactly. you come back and, oh, the door's open. So just how you mentioned it, it's, it's assessing that. And, and that's when the whole ego comes back into play. And just saying bye to the ego um, to allow that to happen. It's, it's almost like the whole, you know, swimming upstream and swimming against stream and knowing when is, is the time to do so or, or just going by that feeling. Um, let's, let's give the music festival people a little, <laughs> a little love right now uh, because <laughs> – well, the, the cool part is this kind of conversation, these kind of relationships, to me personally, are, are what I've built at, at music festivals. You meet somebody and that relationship extends beyond the music festival. You get into a deep conversation about life and then just that exchange of energy. 
So talk about, you mentioned that, you know, you have uh, an affinity for music festivals. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit more. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, the idea of, of offering connectivity, it, it gets overwhelming. I'm sure you and your team have experienced that. When you go and you describe what you're building or what you've built and what you deployed, it's exactly like saying, well, what does the internet do? Or what does a telecom do? You're connecting people and moving data. And the important thing about what Festi is and what our, our companies like Nodal and Sonalcoin is, how do you connect those people and enhance their experience when they're sitting there frustrated trying to connect to Snapchat or Instagram because the bandwidth is, is overloaded. Mm -hmm. And it's a continued repetitive process. You look at the 49ers stadium spent a lot of money to upgrade their entire network to be sure that everybody can connect to that network. But now you have every year, new phones come out, larger files, through mm -hmm. streaming, the video quality is better. The, everything is increased. Therefore, it's already uh, outdated. They've already, that's obsolete. All that equipment is obsolete. It's yeah. worthless. So when we were developing this, and I've, I've, again, I've been doing this for almost two decades now, these cell phones that we carry around in our pocket, they're more powerful than the computers that powered the internet 10 years ago. And when you create a network that utilizes the cell phone as a way to connect and route information in a secure fashion, game over you're a software play mm -hmm. with with some select cool hardware that you can that you can really have some fun with and the people now are upgrading the equipment they're getting new phones every year every six months whatever people's appetite is for the, the newest and greatest thing and because they're upgrading their hardware when you have a, a a large volume of them going into a stadium going into a festival you've created one of the most powerful networks in the world mm -hmm. now the trick is, who do you allow on that network? What information do you allow to go through it? What do you need to do in that internet of the moment, which I've always called, called it? What do you do to enhance those people's experience? Because they paid a lot of money to go to a music concert or music festival. And they're spending a lot of time there. Now, what can we do to make that time as enjoyable and as pleasurable as possible? And that was the use case I wanted to always do with uh, our mesh networking technologies and our partners in the music space. I was doing this with SFX Entertainment until they, they blew up. They were one of the biggest EDM uh, festivals in the, in the world. Oh, yeah. Tomorrowland. They, they still yeah, yeah. Uh, But the original company couldn't figure out how to make money. They're selling 400,000 tickets to go to a, an EDM festival in Brazil or in the Netherlands or, or wherever these giant festivals were, but they could not make money. So we would go in there with this way of, okay, you have all these people coming into a festival. Let's offer them constant connectivity. Let's push out exclusive content with, with our network and let's in, increase your business model. And what you said early on, what was number five on our list was security. Now that's number one. Now if we can know exactly where somebody is, but we don't know who they are because we're very uh, privacy centric mm -hmm. and focused. We know where somebody is. We can alert them if there's, God forbid, a shooting or, or a bomb or some sort of event. And that is the reality that we live in. There is always going to be a chance of something happening at a live venue where there's a lot of people. That's just, that's the norm. But if we can help direct those people to get out as quickly as possible, if we can inform them what's going on as quickly as possible, and if we can direct them into a path that is the safest path out, opposed to people running into more danger, that's when my mentality started to flip and really focus on the security aspect at live venues is crucial. 
and and giving people at least no, at least notifying people what's going on will help them navigate through that crisis. Um, in addition to obviously helping sponsors and helping the companies be able to monetize it and make money and 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 even more importantly be able to continue to monetize that uh, guest experiences even when even after they left the show because otherwise you're going to have to wait until you see them again next year hopefully that's not a good business model what can we do to keep them engaged connected and excited for the next event or the next live venue or the next music festival that's coming nearby that's how you really build a loyal and and super engaged consumer and then we've done we've we've done this with um dear friend is is the head of CBS Viacom China. He owns the Storm Festivals, which is the largest EDM festivals in Southeast Asia. And uh, we, we've, we've gone through the process of incredible partnerships and uh, utilizing our tech, um, which I'd love to, love to combine with Festi, especially Sonocoin, which is the first audible blockchain and cryptocurrency. Yeah. So now you, now you can embed offers or promotions or any type of data through sound. Uh, how exciting is that if someone's just at a festival and, and we embed some sort of offer, whether it's a Coors Light deal or another sponsor yep. that's there or Dude, I something. Love, I, I, sorry to cut you off, but I love, no. hear, I love what I'm hearing. I, I mean, I feel like there are so many synergies already in, in place. And um, you mentioned it, you know, you said internet of the moment, like that, that's huge. That's exactly what, what we're, what we're pushing out. And um, yeah. in like 2014, T-Mobile uh, set up like 11, uh, 11 towers to increase Wi-Fi at, at EDC. But as you mentioned, every year there's a new bandwidth coming out. And when you have congregations of 50,000 to 150,000 people at one festival and one location in that little you know, two mile radius, it's, it, there will be congestion no matter what. And that's why exactly what you mentioned from uh, the security standpoint as well. So, so my mother, provided security for Coachella, uh, for um, insomniac events, for all types of events. And, 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 you know, so I got to see that side of things, the staffing, uh, staffing guards for events, um, understanding the placement, what gets reported, you know, um, what happens at festivals, all the liabilities associated with it. And then of course you mentioned, you know, the thing that is, that we don't like to, to speak about, but it, it's a reality is, you know, in the case of an emergency, being able to send your attendees a message that says, please exit through the south exit only, right? Do not go to the north exit. Um, so it could be something of that serious nature where you are able to give them a direct route and a safer route um, uh, of exit. And at the same time, being able to identify certain things or off or on a, on a better, more positive note, offer those deals where two for one uh, beverage at this location, sure. right? And, and have that, where it's not just a line of sight beacon that you pass by and it triggers, but something that has a full range radius. So if you're within a thousand feet of uh, this vendor over the next half hour, we're hooking it up with X amount of deals. So stuff like that is, is really why, you know, Festi started our whole vision was, Oh, the festival smart band, but really, you know, and, and I'm sure we can both agree on this. We're, we're, our minds are looking at the future of event technology as a whole. Exactly. You have to, you have to continue to evolve. And, and when we get through this, you know, maybe a 10,000 seat theater is going to see 3000 people and there's going to be space. Who knows what the future looks like. 
which is even more of a reason why every attendee at those festivals have to be correctly monetized to ensure that those festivals can exist. And how do you do that? It's through technology, it's through exclusive content, it's, it's through new ways to engage and, and increase the opportunity for enhancing the experience, but also enhancing the, the revenues in to, to, to make sure that they can continue to go on. Exactly. And um, the festival community, you know, if you attend one festival, you're going to want to attend another and another. It's a very supportive community, uh, tight knit group of people, but it, it's millions of individuals and, and amongst the, you know, throughout the whole world. So um, this has been great, Brian. Uh, definitely love that we were able to connect and, and speak about so many things from an entrepreneur level to the state of music festivals. Um, you know, whatever the future holds for music festivals, there are people, uh, we, all, we all are contributing to the experience, but we are really working hard to not just, you know, get things back to where they were, but get things back to another level in which we can all enjoy, appreciate, and just collectively uh, be at an elevated state together. Um, Brian, how do we stay in touch with you? How do we show our support? Because uh, we appreciate you coming on, and I'm sure people are going to be inspired by this and may want to reach out and just just said that shed uh, thanks. Yeah, no, of course. So Brian J. Esposito, I, I mainly use Twitter or LinkedIn and uh, EIE.ROCKS. So it's EIE.ROCKS is uh, our corporate website. You can email me, message me anywhere. And uh, I'd love to continue to work with you and Festy and, and uh, do some great things together. And I, I truly appreciate you having me on, on the podcast. Likewise, likewise. Yes, we'll definitely be talking. You know, it's, it's, it's very refreshing and it feels good. That's one thing. You know, it feels good to hear that someone understands what you have been, you know, working on and not, not just understands it, but it's like, oh, yeah, what if we do this and has that the, the resources because it takes a village, you know, it takes minds to understand and strategize and bring it to life and uh, festival community, you know, thanks for tuning in. Everybody stay positive. First off, reflect inwards and understand we'll be back out there soon. So everyone, Brian Esposito. Bestie Files, we're signing out. <laughs> Peace, love, unity, and respect. Cheers. Thanks, pal. Bye. Cheers. Bye-bye.